Welcome to the Apartment Library, episode three. Um, I don't have any witty <laughs> jokes to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ask, is that episode three or episode 33? <laughs> I think we're only on episode three. Yeah, but maybe it's the 33rd episode dear listener is listening to, because they're going backwards. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Doesn't mean you have to listen to these in sequence, so maybe... Right now, when someone's listening to this episode, we've actually recorded like a hundred episodes. Yeah. Maybe they're listening to the apartment library in like 2079. Yeah. Or in 2379. Who knows how long this will go for. Maybe they're listening to this in a spaceship. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But (laughs) back to reality. So this episode, we're reading a book called The Days of Abandonment by Elena Ferrante, an Italian author who is very secretive about her identity, so no one actually knows what she looks like or anything like that. And that's not her real, her real name, obviously. No, yeah, it's a pseudonym. And she is mostly known for the trilogy, which I... Or it's actually, there's actually me. four books. Oh, the quadrilogy, yeah. the saga. Yeah, the Neapolitan novels. Those there you are, go. Yeah, her most famous ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this book follows the horrible story of Olga, a mother of two children who is very abruptly abandoned by her husband. And she goes through a understandably very, very difficult period of self-assessment and assessing the past and trying to make sense of this horrible thing her husband has done, which is to leave her for another woman. Out of the blue completely. Yeah, and like objectively like abandon her and the children because, you know, like it's only after a long time afterwards that he actually like shows back up and like he tries to get in contact with her through a friend telling her that like he wants she he, that he wants to see the children and whatnot, but like some months pass. Mm-hmm. And the novel follows her during these months in which she goes through like the, what do you call it, a bereavement period? <laughs> Yeah. Through yeah, like the 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 response to this uh, horrible change in her life, and she does come full circle in many ways, not without battle scars, mm-hmm. right? So, very early into reading this book, I thought this book is a English major. It's this wet dream. <laughs> Pretty much like everything in this book is like symbolic of what's happening to her. So in, in that way, I would say that's probably like one of like my very few criticisms because I did really enjoy this book. And it's, it was the first one that I read by Ferrante. And is that it was a little heavy handed, I guess. Not really, because like everything that happened was realistic, but it just felt like a lot of the things were just like super obvious and uh for instance the one that we were like discussing a little earlier was the ants that invade the apartment at one point right and the poison the insecticide but she calls it poison multiple times that she uses to get rid of the ants i thought it was like it's not heavy-handed i thought it was like this is like perfectly symbolic of what's going on in her life right yeah and i guess it really depends on how how you are as a reader because i i mean i took a few english classes but i didn't study it in depth so I guess my mind is less focused on analyzing all this symbolism and and that kind of stuff so I think it I made less of a connection with that 
personally. Mm. Yeah, uh, it doesn't happen to me like all the time. It's not like I'm always like looking for, especially like, yeah, sometimes it's kind of like, okay, Mr. English teacher, like, sure, the paint on the wall drying slowly means the character slowly die. I mean, yeah, like get off of it, you know, like it's a book and it has going to have like a million details. So like if you analyze everything, you're going to like find a way to like make some haphazard connection to the story or the characters or whatever. However, in, in the, yeah, like that's how I feel about that. But in this novel, I thought that it was punchy in that regard. Mm-hmm. You know, like she has that, like uh, Otto, their dog. Yeah, so they have, a German Shepherd. Yeah, they have a German Shepherd in a small apartment, which sounds like a fucking nightmare. Well, I don't know actually how small it was. I, I got the impression that it was like a spacious apartment. Yeah, I don't like, know, that's just like how the I visualized it. old school, like apartments are big, but like still though, that's that the dog is like 80 pounds is like a fucking alligator, yeah, you know, like is. you can't have that in a house. Mm-hmm. Like we have a cat here, and it's a nightmare already. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> no, we love her. Hey, little shit. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the dog dies presumably poisoned. Uh, somebody's, like, putting, like, poisoned dog biscuits in the park. Fucking or pet. allegedly, I think, right? I, I think some it's kind of hearsay that yeah. one of the neighbors is doing that. Like, okay, and if you're doing this... Dear reader, or you know anybody who, who does this? Yeah, dear reader. I call them readers. They're reading the book with us. Or they read the book already. If you're listening to this and you haven't read this book, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Anyway. <laughs> the, the dog dies because of, like, poison biscuits in the... Or dog, dog treats or whatever in the park. Which is like, I mean, who the fuck does that? I know people, like may hate dogs or cats or squirrels or something but like poisoning an animal that is like you you might as well be a nazi yeah that's pretty cruel and the dog dying to me was very symbolic sorry it was very symbolic to uh of the process that olga is undergoing right the fact that like she becomes toxic herself Mm -hmm. and she says it herself and she's so venomous to everybody and like she turns sour and hateful and nobody can talk to her and understandably i mean she's undergoing like a horrible horrible ordeal but the can of insecticide to me it became kind of like a a very uh, obvious allusion to that toxicity that is emanating from her and the dog dying after presumably eating poison in the park or um, from chewing the can. Mm-hmm. I think at the end... Uh, it's not very clear how the dog died. No. I mean, it was definitely poison, but yeah. from where? Well, there was like strychnine or... Stry- I don't know how to pronounce yeah. that. Um, that the vet referred to at the end saying that he wasn't so sure about mm-hmm. it. But like that also I, th- I thought was kind of like a, a an allegory for or an allusion to her ordeal. The fact that like she didn't really care much about how... Otto had died precisely. She wasn't, like, vengeful anymore. She wasn't viciously trying to, like, discover what had killed the dog, a.k.a. her relationship, so much as Mm -hmm. she was, like, concerned with moving on. Yeah. Right? And that's where the novel ends, largely, like, that, like, she... Yeah, she completely doesn't love her husband anymore. She doesn't want to be with him. Like, she really got over that pain, it seemed. Yeah, and she's undergone the, the the process of, like, assessing her past, assessing and trying to understand the, the relationship, the lies, the uh, abrupt abandonment. Mm-hmm. And 
she's not without her battle scars, but she has she is moving forward and she is moving on. Yeah, and that's where uh, the 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 novel ends. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I really liked how the book because it's written in the first person, so we're like inside Olga's thoughts the whole time, and I thought it it really was effective in just showing how she was handling all this. Like she really thought that her husband kind of almost took advantage of her this whole time that they were together because she describes how, you know, she didn't seek out a career because he was the one with the career and she was going to stay home and raise the kids. And, and like she sacrificed essentially, like she really tied herself to him and she kind of didn't really have her own identity it seemed this whole time yeah yeah so she, like when he leaves her it's it's shocking because you know what gives him the right just to decide unilaterally that i'm done and i've taken all i can you know from this relationship i've i've leached off of you essentially you being olga this whole time and i i benefited from you being the good housewife and now now that I'm I'm just done and I'm going to move on. So, yeah, I really feel for her. Yeah, it was the biggest betrayal, right? Mm-hmm. And she she uh she mentions it a couple of times that she was utterly surprised by it that it just happened completely and seemingly out of the blue. Like she was not expecting it. Like her the relationship wasn't, you know, like fireworks, mm-hmm. but it wasn't crumbling down and they weren't fighting and they weren't, you know, like having issues. The guy was just like having an affair uh, for five years. And it was really creepy. It was like, oh, I, it was so like, creepy. it was like the girl who was like 12 or 14 or something I when they, 15 yeah, earlier. Was, okay. Yeah. It was like when they, when they meet and he tutors her and yeah. it's like a coworker, like she's the daughter of his coworker with whom they're very close and like for a, a time and all by the way all of this is discussed as Olga reanalyzes the past mm-hmm. right and there's like a lot of tidbits of info there besides the large chunks kind of like what we're discussing now and that like she was jealous of this coworker and what ended up being reality was that her adult husband eventually developed eyes for the kid essentially she was 15 mm-hmm. and she's a 20 or so by the time that like they he leaves that he leaves exactly and he must be what like fucking 40 at least like, yeah, well, like at uh, least at her least. age so at least late 30s yeah i think she's 38 at one point yeah, yeah she does so i'm sure he's at least her age if not older i would think yeah that would make sense yeah. so super creepy oh imagine like you're you've spent so many years with this person. You are like a fully grown, like mature, you know, woman. And he leaves for this child essentially. Like how Yeah. And she talks about being like how humiliating it is to have him just leave like that. Yeah, even if it were like leaving for another woman who's a woman. Yeah, at you least, know? you know, she's an adult. Yeah. Hopefully. Even then that would be like tremendously like destructive to your ego to your perception of self like see what it is that like you actually like think that your husband thinks about you or your wife should the roles be reversed it's like everything around you everything that has happened to you your entire life is a lie 
right? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happens to her. She goes down this rabbit hole of trying to understand and becoming bitter and rude and vulgar, which she wasn't before, and she really tried to avoid being vulgar. She says that she hated it and she thought it was improper. And as soon as this uh, rupture occurs, she slowly, uh, so slowly, but like gradually becomes crass and rude mm -hmm. and vulgar. And by the end, she isn't, right? She's mm -hmm. kind of gone back to normal. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, that could be discussed as a, you know, she was tremendously angry and therefore like her anger and her uh, emotions were coming out in her treatment of other people and the way that she treated her kids. Yeah, and like another theme of the book that I thought was pretty, I guess, bold for some people is the concept of like motherhood and stuff. And at the end of the book, like the husband shows up and he, he essentially says, I don't like the children. Like I'm not happy around the kids. Yeah, they're getting a little older and yeah. like uh, Gianni's like getting into trouble and he's getting like really like teenage type of like he's insufferable yeah and and he admit, admits to olga he says i'm i'm not happy around the kids and she says yeah that happens sometimes to me that felt like she has been the one who's like taking care of the kids forever she was the one who essentially raised the kids and he was a fun dad a happy dad like whatever yeah, but bringing like, presents all the time yeah exactly but like once like he was gone and he left and he was able to like leave for months on end Right, that you're able to like not see your kids, you must be pretty cool with that. I mean, like if you're like in the um, honeymoon phase of your new relationship and whatnot, but like your kids, you know, for like three, four months, like oh shit, it's true, I got a couple of kids. Hey, we should go see them, you know. Like it was very, mm -hmm. and then as they try to like mend their ties, it, it goes back around, right? Because he wants to see the kids more and they start hanging out more and they start going over the weekends and then they try to figure out a way where he can seize them more and they argue actual like custody and afterwards comes what you mentioned the fact that like he's spending more and more time with them and he realizes like oh they're actually like human Annoying. yeah they're human beings that like are going through like a difficult phase which it's called childhood and adolescence and it's sometimes very annoying to be around them. Yeah, but it's it's kind of a theme throughout the book too, and it makes me wonder the the author like is this her personal experience of being a parent? I wonder because there's times in the book where, like, I, I imagine someone like a happy parent or whatever reading this and being what a horrible kind parent. of horrified. Yeah, that someone could think this. Like, there's um I bookmarked like a section here. It's like a little paragraph. Mm -hmm. That I like I when I read this, I thought it was sounded like so honest, like brutally honest. I read it. Yeah, it says um, she's talking about how in the past she would sometimes kind of have like a, I guess a journal and write down. So right here it says, at times I also wrote between the numbers how I felt. I was like a lump of food that my children chewed without stopping. A cud made of a living material that continually amalgamated and softened its living substance to allow two greedy bloodsuckers to nourish themselves, leaving on me the odor and taste of their gastric juices, nursing how repulsive an animal function, and then the warm Swedish odor of baby food breath. No matter how much I washed, that stink of motherhood remained. So that's like... 
a lot of people probably, you know, love the the quote unquote stink of motherhood, you know, your, <laughs> your babies and the smell of babies and stuff. But that is like, I think it's very true that some people experience it that way. Oh, for sure. I'm sure that like millions of people experience it negatively in a variety of ways yeah. you know, across a spectrum of, and obviously like even the people that like will tell you that like their children are their lives and their children are the best thing that ever happened to them and everything mm-hmm. they do is for their children and yada, yada, yada. They, they tell you that like, yeah, like, I mean, probably like one day out of five sucks yeah. and like every, one interaction out of five with my children is, it makes me want to like pull my hair out. Uh, in the context of this book, however, I think that like that is largely in the middle of the book. So that could very easily be construed to, you know, like she is mm-hmm. seeing everything through the tunnel of anger and hate yeah. and, you know. But this particular thing, it was something that she wrote down in the past, mm-hmm. like when the kids, like when much long ago. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I got the impression throughout reading the whole book that she just, she's not happy being the role of the mother yeah. because it kind of leaves you up to like, you're, you're kind of at the mercy of your husband, essentially. Mm-hmm. He's the one that makes the money. He's the one that has a life beyond the household. Yeah. I can't remember like later in the book when she uh, gets a job back and that's where like she runs into Mario and Carla. Mm-hmm. The, I can't remember exactly if it was because of the financial pressures of needing money, obviously to like subsist, to like, feed your children but it felt to me more like she and she'd mentioned that like in the past like I think she'd gone to school but like she'd had like a job that like took her places she'd worked for a, like a tourism agency or like a an, an airline or something and she had like done different things but she also like she traveled because of like Mario's work and they moved around because of his work but yeah like you do get the feeling that like it's been largely imposed because of societal pressures and the the, the the expectations yeah the, the societal of. construct of like the the trusty family you know yeah. the two parents two kids dad works mom takes care of the kids mm-hmm. and that doesn't work for i would say most people probably like actually want something different than that and like if you have two adults and two kids you probably can i mean th- this is from a, a novel that's like 20 years old this is from 2002 and that's not that long ago, but nowadays, living here in Canada today, in 2021, it becomes far more apparent than, like, most people can't do that. I mean, unless you have a really damn good job, like, mm-hmm. to be one, a, to be a one-income household is the reality for fewer and fewer people, right? Like, most mm-hmm. families have two working parents these days. Yeah. And in this case, you would probably, like, have to take on all the stress of parenthood or let's say the vast vast majority of the stress of parenthood onto yourself while your husband does whatever the fuck and should you be a working parent but one who shares the the burden of the responsibility to your kids then you're balancing these two things it's not because you know like if you are actually like splitting duties, if you are both working parents, you both take care of the children, or you know you uh, rent another human to, to to raise your kids for you, mm-hmm. which is a whole other can of beans. But it really seems like Olga has taken all of this 
and she is surviving through the horrible ordeal whilst at the same time taking on the responsibility fully for the kids, which she has done, but now it's coming down like a hammer, right? Yeah, and I think it's just that idea of, okay, wow, he's able to just leave the second he deems it necessary from his selfish point of view, and I'm stuck here taking care of the house, taking care of the kids, taking care of the dog. Yeah. Like, I really, it makes you mad that someone could do that. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, the the novel is called The Days of Abandonment, and that is exactly mm-hmm. what happened, right? Like, the guy didn't break up with her. He didn't only break up with her. He left the family. He abandoned his children and his wife, mm-hmm. right? It's brutal. It really, it really is. And it comes through in the language, in the, the process that... Olga undergoes of analyzing herself, analyzing her past, analyzing her marriage while dealing with all the mundane yet draining and difficult tasks of being a single parent, Mm -hmm. which is new to her, obviously. And it's brutal. It's simply brutal, right? And the novel, I think, ends up in, in a bittersweet yet positive note. It was my impression. Because she does survive, she makes it through, and she is, you know, like, tough as nails to be able to, like, do this. Because it seems at times that she's going to go nuts, you know? Like, and the kids are driving her crazy, and the dog is shitting everywhere, it needs to go out, and, like, we have to do this, we have to take care of all the bills and all the stuff. And the husband is just 16 years old again with a girlfriend, and, like, he has not a care in the world. Eventually, he misses the kids and says, oh, shit, I should probably, like, show up, mm-hmm. which happens up to, like, four months. Yeah. But it's funny, the end of the book, like, it's her and the neighbor are an item, sort of. But I don't know, I guess, I guess how did, she said, like, she chose to believe him or something. Oh, that he hadn't poisoned the dog. Uh, you mean? Yeah, so it says here, he embraced me, he held me close to him for a while without saying a word. He was trying to communicate silently that, through his mysterious gift, he knew how to make meaning stronger, to invent a feeling of fullness and joy. I pretended to believe him, and so we loved each other for a long time in the days and months to come, quietly. So it's like she, I don't know, the whole I chose to believe him thing. I don't know if it's only referring to his explanation for what happened to the dog or if it's just i i chose to believe that i could be happy with this person and and that's essentially what love is in her eyes like you just kind of choose to believe that it's a thing that's gonna last kind of i don't know if i'm reading too much into it no i i think that's that's a valid way of looking into it the way that i like understood carrano the the neighbor is that he kind of like epitomized this ordeal that she's undergoing and that like he mentions it a couple of times that her husband is a very unpleasant person or whatever it is exactly that he says mm-hmm. and then he excuses himself by saying you know that like uh, i just said that some people might be putting poison dog biscuits in the park or you know like mm-hmm. i'm not saying that i was gonna like kill your dog or something even though i think he did say something like more to that effect, or I think, mm. like, the words were precisely kind of like, yeah, like, I mean, if you, you don't... Because I think he steps in, in dog poop for a second, and, like, he just gets really pissed or whatever. But uh, what I took away from 
that is that like he was kind of like uh, um, an embodiment of the rupture of their marriage and like her opportunity to like move forward even though it's tenuous right it's not solid and he is a very talented musician he's very good and he's like when she sees him at the orchestra he's she's completely blown away she's like oh my god like this is the little dweeb that lives like beneath me like this is this amazing musician that like disappears into his instrument and is able to create like emotion out of sound and mm-hmm. it's beautiful and she sees him through different eyes and she decides to give him a shot because i mean like she very abru- abruptly like broke into his life and you know like he didn't know anything about like the breakup and she just very abruptly like drops in on him and they they try to have sex and that goes sideways and then afterwards she just kind of like keeps him as an afterthought and considers him as a possible solution to some of the problems there's the uh, issue with the door and the keys oh, which yeah. also becomes very symbolic it is like that one that's that's one that i thought was like a bit more heavy-handed in the symbolism the that one was implied symbolism i'm willing to bet anything that like she meant to make it so that she was trapped in that apartment because of her own decision to change the logs to try and feel more secure because the door was yeah somebody had like broken in or like it was her uh, husband yeah, who like, broke into yeah he broke back some earrings yeah the earrings that's right and like she gets like this solid heavy duty door frame with two keys and two locks that need to go in this sounds like a bank vault or whatever yeah. but like it's you know like h- how difficult is it to like open you know like a, a key with a lock so like the whole thing is like it's obviously meant as or in my opinion it was meant as symbolism and that like she tried to like hold on to something and she had to and like her home has become this unsafe place and she needs to do something to fix it. And that's her life. Her life has become a wreck and she needs to fix it. Yeah. And her attempts to do so are kind of failing. Yeah. So, yeah. Or also, like, another way that I kind of interpreted that was, like, she, there's one point, like, where she's really panicking. And she her state of mind is all over the place. It's kind of like the, the heat, like the climax of her mm-hmm. sort of weird mental state. And she's really struggling. She can't open the door then. But later on, when she calms down, it's really easy to open the door. So I think it Mm. it kind of shows that, like, when she kind of takes a step back to look at her life, she's capable. Like, she's able to do what needs to be done and to move on and to have her own life and to be self-sufficient. But when, you know, she's looking at it from a state of panic and a state of being scared everything just seems impossible so yeah and during that period of time is when the dog dies poisoned mm-hmm. and carano comes in to like to kind of save the day in a way and that was also a little like obvious to me i thought it was like beautifully done it's not to say that i think it was like heavy-handed but i think it was apparent that the dog dies and she is angry and toxic and the kids are you know going crazy one of them is sick the other one doesn't shut up and she needs to focus and once she's able to like get past that and understand what she is and what she needs to do she resorts to 
the outlet, or I should say to the uh, solution that she has at hand, which is to ask the neighbor to help her. And that's when she's able to open the door and ask him for help after breaking his window with a, mm-hmm. a metal bar. But that's a different story. Because <laughs> uh, up until then, like she hadn't been able to like open the door and go deal with these problems that she was trapped inside her head, a.k.a. the house. And he comes in, or he comes up, I should say, and she is able to open the door effortlessly. And he helps her take the dead dog out of her house and deals with that problem for her. In a way, that seems to be that he is helping her with this terrible ordeal that she's dealing with in her head, in her heart. And tenuously, their relationship could be some way forward, right? Mm -hmm. However, it's not solid. It's not perfect. And it's not this like head over heels in love with the guy. Yeah. I always say that it's heels over head. What the fuck? No, head over heels. No, no, that doesn't make sense. Well, that's the expression. Well, heels over head is that like you fell back and your legs are pointing up, right? That's kind of like, oh my God. Maybe it makes more sense, but the actual expression is head over heels. Is it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. But no, I mean, it's, yeah, like I really liked the book. It's pretty, it's not like an uplifting read necessarily, but it does kind of, yeah, like you mentioned before, it does sort of have, it has a good ending, a happy ending in a way. Like she, she's able to move on and she chooses to try and be happy with Carano. Yeah, I thought it was beautiful. I thought, I thought yeah. this reminded me of like the first kind of adult books that I read when I was like a teenager and I'd moved away from like reading, well, Harry Potter and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they were real. They dealt with, like, this is an adult book, right? Like it deals with these very real problems although it has a couple of like moments where you just like oh okay you know this is obviously like built-in symbolism but or intended symbolism i should say not that it detracts i didn't stop enjoying the book for a minute there's only the middle part in which like the entire day takes you know like i don't know some like 50 pages or so and a few times it was very like fugue state like she is and it's effective it doesn't necessarily mean it is like pleasant to read because it was like a bit too dreamlike it was a little... hard to follow sometimes like her train of thought was hard to follow i found yeah that part was like heavily um the the method of writing where you're like in the um, stream of consciousness stream of stream of consciousness yeah so i found yeah that part it, it dragged a little bit for me yeah same I, yeah. I like some scenes or some paragraphs were just kind of like okay fuck you know or like, like i they're... didn't even know what i read like i had to go back i think we talked about this earlier like yeah. i had to go back and read the same paragraph a few times yeah. just to really grasp what was happening yeah. which wasn't the case for most of the book it, yeah. it's very concise to the point and like the language is beautiful it's very well translated yeah. i mean we don't speak italian but no. the it, it was very well written i, I oh, can I say love, through the translation yeah like i love the writing like i'll read anything by that author and translator just because i just love the way it's written it's so like raw kind of you know like she doesn't shy away from using shocking language when necessary and it's just it's very real it seems to me it it seems like it's someone who's who's gone through this and they're literally just spewing like their true feelings onto the page it it seems very honest yeah back to the english class i'm sure that like Mm -hmm. a an english teach would tell you the best writers the most celebrated writers those who wrote about life in the abstract, they put themselves in the page. They put their own experiences, their own 
lives on the page. Obviously not minutely. No, and, but it's, uh, it's a, inspired by Yeah, exactly. That. And, and uh, it was very real. Yeah, like a lot of the things that happened. Yeah, it's a book with, you know, like it's, you could describe it as, you know, like a guy leaves his wife and then the wife goes through like a, a horrible six months and then she kind of moves on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they should put that on the jacket. Yeah. But I think, I think, I don't think it's even kind of like she, at the end, like there's, there's a part where she says, like, I truly don't feel anything for Mario anymore. He's like a stain on the wall. Kind of thing. Yeah, she's moved like she's moved on from him yeah. for sure. But like I said, I, I truly think that like the, the the author makes a point of saying that at the end she is not without her scars. She is not the same person she was. She thought she had a happy relationship. She thought that she was in a good place. And the I mean, obviously nobody's life is spe- perfect, and this se- seemed real in that way. It mm-hmm. seemed that like she wasn't looking for perfection in a was a way forward for dumb and a naive, naive yeah. in a naive type of way but that she was able to like move on from this horrible ordeal and like learn so much about herself and understood how to deal with this tragedy mm-hmm. right? and, and now she realizes that because there's a point in the book where she was kind of comparing like wondering how much of mario's personality is in her and how you know like she she kind of saw them as as the same herself and him as the same person almost like she kind of didn't know who who she was anymore so i think at the end she sees herself as someone distinct and someone capable yeah of of being on her own if she needs to be and and getting on with life without yeah it it, it goes to show kind of how like you would not have these thoughts should something horrible not happen to you you know, like, it's not like you're, I mean, unless you're unhappy in your marriage and your relationship or in your life or whatever situation it is, uh, you don't really think about it in those terms until something horrible happens, right? And she definitely perceives that her husband drained her and led the way in a way and that she was, you know, like, happy to be a housewife and have whatever, but like, like you said, that she didn't have an identity or that she she was for him mm-hmm. type of thing instead of being for herself and you could say that yeah like this is an awakening to, to the fact that she should be for herself and for her children but importantly for herself yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's it's heavy in that sense like it's it's a heavy book but it yeah it has like a positive outlook i think at least that's how we seem to, to interpret the ending like it's it's a hopeful ending. I think yeah, I think it does come full mm-hmm. circle. She is, yeah. you know, not perfect in the beginning and nothing obviously like I said nobody's life is perfect, but she wasn't in a perfect place in the beginning and she isn't in a perfect place at the end. However, she has survived this and yeah. she has become a better person, a stronger person and she has dealt with it as an adult mm-hmm. and she killed it because she kind of like moves on and learns to manage this new life that like her husband has forced on her Mm -hmm. she isn't completely healed by the end but we can hope that she will be yeah you know she has like those awkward moments where like her friends are trying to like uh set her up up and she just feels like super uh detached and she she's more than detached she is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and she doesn't want that and like the vet is 
nice and handsome and uh, kind. And she sees that, she mentions that, but she doesn't want to be around him. Around him. She, she just doesn't feel that way. And she is, that, that felt to me like a description of how you probably like feel distrustful of relationships once like your own seemingly solid relationship crumbles like that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have doesn't have to be exactly the same way that it happens in this book and that your relationship is or your relationship ends really fast or very abruptly. But like anything, you know, like and the fact that like he was cheating on her and hiding all these things from her, mm-hmm. that's the, the the really destructive part, you know, like she spends like a tremendous amount of her energy and her time trying to analyze and understand the relationship that he has with this girl and like what is it that she doesn't have that this other girl has and what happened that led to this, what did I do or didn't do that and I, you know, like, well, how did... I come short. Yeah, like she really thinks it must be something that she caused. And yeah, I, th- I think she realizes by the end that he is just not a nice person. Yeah. And, you know, he, it's not anything that she failed to do or anything that she did. It's just he is poisonous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And very much, I think that the book, it's not really, uh, it doesn't like emphasize him all that much no he's not not like the bad guy no like being the catalyst of the story like he he is relatively a minor character because everything like she undergoes it's in her head and Mm -hmm. her heart and she has to deal with it alone because she has been abandoned right and it's told in such a way that like portrays her as a very real very human very flawed character and i thought that was really well done i thought like it was terrible or terribly true and like horrible to read in many places because of how real it was and how effectively she conveyed the emotions that this woman must be feeling or that anybody would feel if they were in this situation. And I thought it was a great book. I thought yeah. it was absolutely stellar. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's under 200 pages. So I think it's a really good intro to this author because the Neapolitan novels, there's four of them, and each of them is, is pretty hefty. They're considerably longer than yeah, this. Yeah, Each, I mean, yeah. obviously. Uh, so this is like a really nice way, I think, if you were interested in reading Ferrante, this is a good one yeah. to start with. So you were reading this author for a while, and uh, we watched the HBO show, which is fantastic. And um, I saw you reading this one, and I said, hey, you know, let's, that's a short book. Let's Let's read it for the podcast mm-hmm. and man it blew my hair back i thought it was fantastic oh, I'm happy you liked it. i didn't think i was gonna dislike it yeah but it was it was really really good i think it's uh my favorite that we've done so far actually yeah i would say so too out of the ones we've read so far given the fact that we've only read three books yes. for this podcast but i mean i think this is like a book that you won't easily forget no, I think it, it 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 should be more famous, and yeah. it is. It's gonna be twenty years old next year. Yeah. So like, I I had never heard about it until you told me about this author, which mm-hmm. you read about her on Reddit. No, it was on the radio. It was oh, like okay. a CBC segment they had. Like, what is like? I think it was when twenty twenty 
happened the 2020 New Year's, January 2020. And they're talking about what's the best book of like the previous decade. Okay. And one of the guests said the Neapolitan novels was like his series of the 2010s. Nice. And so that's what, that's when I first heard of the author and the series. And I, I started reading from there. So I'm happy. I'm really happy you like this book. Cause it, it sounds like almost like a, you know, a, housewife book about yeah, yeah, some woman and her marriage frivolous or yeah. whatever i mean the, the it it is blunt in what it's going to be about right like the the description of the novel very much like tells you yes. th- this is what's going to happen and yeah. like you start like the very first line in the book is like my husband left me shit yeah so not, it, not literally i'm not quoting the book no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it doesn't hide what it's about but on the surface it sounds like who cares almost yeah it depends yeah for sure but like it, it does in description mm-hmm. it does seem to gravitate more towards that like frivolous genre i would say yeah it doesn't or it does it does it does yeah. i think it's kind of it, like you know it is very human and it's very real and i recommend it yeah. absolutely but yeah like if you if you described it to me i'd be like yeah that's not really something that i'd be interested in reading however i do like read all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. just based on the reviews the fame the subject yeah also but i don't really mind like going into something that is not you know like because i've been blinded or fooled by a book many a times in the past and that like you know that somebody recommends it and i'm like oh, okay i'll read 50 pages and throw it across the room mm-hmm. and it ends up being an amazing book right like yeah. it, it just it's not really the subject matter but like no. how it is conveyed exactly right? so that's like i'll read anything by this author honestly yeah this just, was great yeah i love her her just her it's so unique i find like just the way she writes i mean and then again we're not reading it in the italian true you know original version but i think the translator does a it sounds like she does a really good job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I only... Uh, mm-hmm. And this is one of her early books, too. Yeah. Um, I think uh, somebody like Haruki Murakami, who is, like, very, very famous in, like, the books I've read, four or five of them, some of them are straight-up excellent. Others, a little more lukewarm, I would yeah. say. They're all very good, but, like, some of them are, like... Way better than others. Well, uh, some of them are excellent books yeah. in general. They're just, yeah. like, wow, like... No wonder this guy's famous. Like, they should, you know, like, he should be... Well, no wonder he's famous. Mm-hmm. But his translators have done such a good job, I think, yeah. of, like, bringing that forth sometimes, you know? like in, Or, like, conveying the, the tone. Because he has a very unique tone, right? Yeah. And I think, like, a lot of the very good authors, like, I mean, I've only read this book by Ferrante, but mm-hmm. it definitely had a voice, yeah. right? And it's not lost in the translator. No. It was very poignant and very loud at times yeah. as a voice. And it told the story in a very effective voice and a very yeah. effective tone. And uh, I thought I think that's why I'm like comparing it to like Murakami because there's a certain feel to the way that that guy writes mm-hmm. that you can you can't even describe it, but it just paints a picture so well. Yeah. And I had this. I had that experience reading this book and I can see their apartment in my head. I can see her going around with the kids and the dog in my head. I can see their neighborhood and whatnot. And I I didn't even look up any pictures of Turin. No. In Italy, I have no idea like what it, what it looks like or whatever. Like the picture that she painted in my head 
was real and it was vivid. Yeah. And it'll stay with me. Oh yeah, like it's really it's the type of thing you you kind of need to read her her writing. Like a description like this isn't going to be enough in my opinion. So I think yeah, people need to to read it for themselves. Yeah, or a movie. I'm sure. I think I, I think it is uh, adapted to a movie. Maybe we should watch it. But mm-hmm. uh, and maybe it's great. I'm not saying it couldn't be. Yeah. But yeah, this is like the the sort of thing that like I think a movie made about it could be excellent. However, it would be a very good movie, and it, mm-hmm. and it would be it would have to be great in that medium. However, it wouldn't be the same as this because no. this, I mean like it some, wouldn't capture it yeah somebody can make the argument that like that is yeah. never the case but, but like because a lot of this book it's not a lot of description it's a lot of just her thoughts right so yeah. how do you easily translate that to film without having like a voiceover literally explaining the yeah, thoughts right well, it has been done in a, yeah, in a few possible. cases and like that when it works really well it, it does you know because yeah. so you have to like tell the story perfectly differently yeah right it, it just making it in, in in film is its own set of difficulties. It's ha- yeah. It has its own magic to it. Yeah. But yeah, this is a book that like will stick with me. It will stay with mm-hmm. me, and it definitely painted a, a picture in my head yeah. that I'm not gonna forget. No. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I'm really happy you liked it. I like. Lo- I loved it too. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we can like grab a. Um, because I mean the the story of Lanou, the the yeah. Neapolitan novels, I'm not uh, against reading them or anything, but like I I've seen the series. Yeah, like already. there's okay, yeah, spoilers there for sure. But I'm not huge in like big series, like yeah, you know, but like, that is like it's. It's like one long book. It's meant to be one book. Like the author said, it is one book, but obviously you can't publish something. Well, it's not. Yeah. No one's going to pick up a book that's like 2,000 pages long, you know? Yeah. Like, I guess, yeah, it's not a series, but like, yeah, it's very long and whatnot. That's an incredible story, too. I mean, that one's definitely worth reading, but it is a commitment. the, The depth of detail to that, you know, like the ability to tell the story of so many people with the focus on on one and capturing and conveying the feel of a world, you know, yeah. like this, the the HBO series, which is all I've seen from yeah. Ferrante up until we read this book, it, it it's good. Really good. Yeah, like, I didn't, I wasn't even, like, all that thrilled to, to watch it. I said, like, well, we'll, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. And it was damn good, you yeah. know, like, it was... They do a really good job of capturing the books. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so least. recommending that, too. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm happy you liked it, and I hope our listeners, if they haven't already, hopefully they'll give this book a shot or yeah. the author at least, because it's definitely worth reading. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read this book, I don't know why you're listening to this, <laughs> but definitely give it a shot. And yeah, even though we, I guess you could say we spoiled the story, it's still a book that I really think you have to read, like. To, to grasp what we're saying. And I guess you can say that with every book, that you have to read it to really understand it, but this one is, it's really enjoyable. Yeah, it was raw and it was punchy, man. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Yeah. So go grab this book. Give it a read. It was fantastic. You won't regret it. Thanks for listening. If you have any feedback or if you have any recommendations, you can write us an email to apartmentlibrarypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening.